0: and welcome to dynasty as they want to be a podcast where we drill into every episode of the iconic 1980s television series dynasty i'm your host derek j lang and with me is my co-host and husband kyler k jafari
1: here we are.
0: Well, did we just discover like a delightful new snack <laughs> before recording?
1: Um, I mean, I'm not Catholic so I don't have any basis for comparison.
0: What happened was is uh, Kyler dropped or I dropped a cracker in Kyler's martini and he quickly fished it out and ate it to my surprise. And then you said it was actually kind of tasty.
1: It's like that whole wine and crackers Catholic ritual thing, you know? It's like it's just missing the cheese.
0: I think this is going to be a pretty crazy episode because we already had you eating a cracker out of a martini glass. And then a literal spit take when um, we were kind of going back and forth about what we should talk about at the beginning of the episode. And I suggested patio furniture because we've been buying patio furniture today. And you spit your martini out and had to wipe it. Well, I think it up. it's
1: important to highlight that most people use the spit take as a sort of reference linguistically and almost never seriously. This might have been like a real genuine spit take.
0: Yeah, and it wasn't like a spraying spit take. It was more of like a spittoon kind of like yeah, onto the table spit take. I had to
1: get the extra absorbent bounty paper towels.
0: <laughs> so, but now do we actually talk
1: about shopping for patio furniture or are we just going to talk about spit takes over the years? Uh, well, since this is the only official real spit take I've ever had in my life, I don't know how they... I would have anything else to say about it other than that's... Now I know why it's so funny. Like, I think we've lived in this meta world where spit takes are just supposed to be funny because they're funny, but it's actually funny when it's for real.
0: Well, it's that whole thing, like, stepping on a banana peel, like... Yeah, everybody says that's funny, and it's like a cartoon. Now I can't wait to actually. But has anybody ever step on my first
1: banana peel and f- like break my hip bone? Bingo, going to be hilarity for days.
0: Well, I'm actually like afraid. So, btw, obviously we're drinking martinis as we're recording this week's episode i'm like afraid to keep drinking mine because i'm afraid i'm gonna spit it out
1: you're gonna like ruin the electronic equipment yeah we've got like hundreds and
0: well just hundreds of dollars of equipment here to record this
1: podcast no return on this investment
0: no we can't afford this but no we're
1: obviously we're still drinking so well we were we were buying patio furniture i thought uh, which was also under the influence of a martini, I believe. And
0: Yeah, the best way to buy patio furniture is to get really drunk and then just order it online, which is how I do my best shopping. Pick and click and
1: ship that shit.
0: Ooh, I like that. Did you just come up with
1: that yourself? No, it's like a fortune cookie I got at the Hunan restaurant last week. Olay. <laughs> sure but it turns out that uh buying cushions for patio furniture is is a whole other side racket is a
0: huge fucking troll that's what it is so we bought the patio furniture which doesn't come with the cushions which is fine we'll custom make our cushions and get the color and the welting and the foam density that we want honey well yeah then we went and priced it out and we're like oh my god we're gonna pay more for the cushions than we are for the actual
1: fucking patio furniture yeah this this whole topic is like dynasty levels of gay it's so ridiculous i know
0: just when you thought we couldn't be bougie enough now we're literally devoting minutes of our podcast to talking about patio furniture but we Spit-taking can taking gin
1: martinis <laughs> picking out sunbrella fabrics for our goddamn patio furniture that's it's bad
0: we're not relevant at
1: all Yeah. more like people in... are
0: listening to the podcast though and from around the world
1: well i'm I've... so sorry they had to walk in on this <laughs> like let me pick up my dirty under things and uh, make the bed first
0: uh, yeah you guys the newcomers it, it's better than this, okay? We're not at our best this week, and we <laughs> God, understand really? that.
1: I feel like that's a continuing bumper sticker that we're never <laughs> going to live up to. It gets better? Yeah. I, maybe? Well, I guess we'll find out. I've been doing a deep dive
0: into the analytics, and like, we're huge in Minneapolis, which I can't wrap my head around. Like, We have a lot of listeners in Minneapolis, so everybody out there in the Minneapolis, yeah i know you guys don't really call it that hello from dynasty as they want to be
1: isn't that like that that band like big in portland or something big in portland yeah, big in tulsa i don't know it's big, big sky country big in somewhere no, isn't the
0: band anyway. that did the song big sky country isn't their name big sky country
1: no you're thinking the big country and it's in a big country, is the song
0: that's so fucked up? And why? Didn't no, they... it's
1: genius. Are you kidding me? Like they threw away their whole legacy on the band name and the song. At one, they're
0: like, hit. "We're gonna be a one-hit wonder, so we're gonna go all we're in." We're gonna name the, the band, name, the, name, song, the, song. the song, probably the album.
1: <laughs> Do you think the album was probably called that too? I don't know. It probably I mean, was. I should look it up. It's kind of a hot song though, and maybe we should link to it because, like, I every now and then, I think about that song and the video. BT Dubs and.
0: I always want to do that song at
1: karaoke. It really makes me want to like brush my teeth like all the way, you know?
0: I don't know. I think people know that song. It was a big hit in the eighties. No, that's
1: that's one of those songs that like everybody kind of knows, but nobody like inherently knows. And then when it comes on that one time ever, you're like, Oh my god, yes, I totally know this song. But yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of those songs though, like where it was sort of a one hit wonder at the time, but like it's not even an it's it's not even wondrous like nobody thinks about these songs and then like suddenly you hear it and you're like oh
0: yeah but that's the power of music honey is that when you hear that you're transported back to that time and you remember it and you love it and you're living for it even though it's not like in the zeitgeist ever so it's cool anyway to bring it back to patio furniture so we were trying to figure out what color we wanted to order these goddamn fucking expensive cushions and we both settled on yellow which i think sub- i didn't settle i just
1: wanted yellow and and it, like it, that was the instinct was yellow
0: well i think the instinct was yellow because the carrington mansion's patio furniture is yellow at least that's I've why, been brainwashed
1: why by all these seasons of dynasty it's only the second season honey so but this is only the third time i've seen it
0: Oh, that's right. Well, it's my first. But anyway, we're ordering yellow patio furniture. Everybody with get white excited. Welting. Yeah, Ooh with woo. white welting. What is it white welting on the episodes?
1: yeah and it's also in like that classic white pipe that pvc pipe pool furniture yeah remember that stuff anyway let's take a
0: break and get into this week's episode because if we keep talking about patio furniture i'm gonna need like 19 we're gonna lose everybody
1: and ourselves and our minds
0: yeah including all of the listeners in minneapolis sorry love you guys we'll be right back welcome back
1: i mean this episode's called the hearing which like all of the titles of this of these episodes is kind of a non sequitur in some ways if not even a red herring well i know it's supposed to be about blake's you know crime
0: stoppers hearing but it also makes me think like oh are we gonna be like Listening in for something special? No, not really. It's just also, ignorant. it's a little
1: bit like he can't see, so all he can do is hear. I guess
0: right, but then that doesn't—that's not really relevant. It really because pan out the either. The beginning of the episode, he almost falls down the goddamn steps if it wasn't for Jeff saving him yet again. Everybody's
1: favorite house mooch, Jeff. So I don't know. I, I think we start. I think we start with uh, Doctor Toscani because he's sort of this pivot point in this whole episode by the way this episode in general I think is one of my favorite episodes of this whole episode this whole season. So are far. you kidding me yeah I'm going to spit my martini no the pacing and there's like some hot shots uh, camera well the cinemat. I,
0: I agree the cinematography is on point
1: which we need to but- cite examples because we can't just sit here and gush and you know just be fanboys but anyway, but we'll get to that. My thing with this episode, though, is like Dr. Nick Toscani. Normally, I cannot stand this asshole. And I don't think that this, this episode is going to change my mind about him. But I'm sort of sympathizing with him in this one because like all these like women are like throwing themselves at him. And I mean, uh, you've got Fallon, who's like for whatever reason, she just keeps sacrificing all of her uh, female dignity. powers. And well, we could call that dignity. Sure. And, and, and like doing it for Dr. Nick who like clearly does not care and we've already established before that he calls the shots in that cheap side relationship and then like you have uh, uh, Alexis shows up also campaigning for Fallon her daughter well
0: yeah and she books a fucking appointment she's like gonna pay to hang out with Dr. Nicholas Toscani so she like clearly well has a her dog bucks, books effect. as she
1: says <laughs> right
0: <laughs> take it over doctor
1: My daughter has possibilities. So does every human being. Every human being is not due to inherit a fortune one day. Would you really
0: find that so hard to take?
1: No. That doesn't mean her mother can buy me as a filler for her Christmas stocking.
0: Fallon doesn't believe in Santa
1: Claus, Doctor.
0: Yeah, it's so weird that she would go to these lengths. And I know that you're a little... Questioning. I'm just questioning
1: it. I'm sure there's something there. I'm really assuming that the writing is just on point here because why else would Alexis be showing up? Okay, so here's the I way- would think that Alexis would want to undermine the relationship so that Dr. Nick will end up with Crystal and blow the whole Carrington Mansion to smithereens, but no. No, that's a good point. I mean, I do think it's weird
0: because she saw in the last episode into his eyes and she realized right away that he's a nefarious character, which he is. He's got this sort of Side angle, he's and that's really to cool Alexis's on.
1: credit. I mean, she knows one when she sees one,
0: yeah, which I was like totally clap, clap, clapping for. But now this week, she's like doing everything she can to get her uh, daughter and Nick together, so it seems like she's kind of taken a step back. So, the only way that I can kind of rationalize it in my head is that if Nick is taken away from Crystal, then Alexis wins? Question mark? I don't know. Maybe my theory doesn't pan Uh-oh. out. Mm,
1: that's not terrible. I, I, That makes more sense than like just random chaos and nihilism, which is what I was assuming.
0: I kind of think there's also a long game that Alexis there is playing. There must be. And I think that he's just a piece of the puzzle, a knight, a pawn, not a pawn, but, you know, one of those, like, pieces that's not the king or the queen. What's the other ones besides the knight?
1: Well, there's a rook.
0: The rook. Yeah, maybe Dr. Mm, Nick is the Dr. rook. Dr. Nick is
1: not a rook, though. Well,
0: he's got crook-id teeth. <laughs> oh, boy. The one thing I did like about Doctor Nick this episode is his sleepy acting. You know how like some mm. some of these actors are good I with do love drunk some acting, good
1: method sleepy acting. Yeah, he did it
0: really well when Fallon calls him in the middle of the night after she wakes up from a sex dream.
1: See now, like your your phone would just be on D and D, and you wouldn't even know you
0: up. That's basically mm, what this yeah. conversation was. I mean, this is a little of bit of
1: booty call as well for sure. Oh yeah,
0: if he would have said come on over, she would have like you know. Gotten in the Doom
1: Buggy. Naked in no panties. Yeah.
0: I I think she was naked under those sheets because it seemed like she wasn't wearing anything. And we have confirmation that her and Jeff. Well, she's are in full of not, makeup, of course, though. Oh, obviously. You think Pamela Sue Martin's gonna show up on screen without makeup one? Well, get the fuck out of here. We did get confirmation that her and Jeff are not sleeping in the same room. Jeff is sleeping naked in another room. I think it's Steven's old room. The bed seems like familiar. Which but- is also
1: a little creepy because it's now like her estranged husband, Jeff, is now like the little baby brother in the other room kind of thing. Like so, The whole thing is which, so dysfunctional. Well, this yes, it's dysfunctional a la Crystal and, and Blake. Like they've established this whole household example of like, Unhappily married couples who are sleeping in separate beds, and you know, I everybody's think everybody's got their own bed. I think Sammy Joe is still sleeping with Steven, which is ironic because you know, he a yeah, he's a former homosexual. He's what do they call them? Gays? Gays, yeah. So, well, okay, so this is interesting about Fallon and Jeff. Like, I think the last episode and this episode, she's like trying to get all in his pants. Um, but it's not clear on screen. But no, it's she's like,
0: trying in this episode too. She goes oh, and she yeah. like licks his shoulder or something. No, but
1: but I'm I'm saying the effort clearly here is, um, it's it's the same thing. It's it's all a subterfuge. Like she doesn't really want Jeff. No, this,
0: she's never wanted she, Jeff.
1: She thinks she can establish the one household where the married couple is sleeping in bed together versus Crystal and Blake, and that's like. Her whole motivation here because again she's gonna deliver the child to blake even though like that's her father which totally creepy so like there's all these things that like fallon is like trying to fulfill in her own psychological uh you know i don't know it's it's a screwed up world it's mixed up and crazy
0: no the levels of creepiness here no no bounds i mean she's fucking a guy that she thinks her stepmother is fucking and her stepmother is still married to her father. And then there's all this baby stuff. And Crystal gets involved in that when they're redecorating the nursery and you know, obviously Fallon wants no part of it, so she tells Crystal, "Ah, you choose out the you choose the wallpaper and the carriage and stuff." And it's like, "Hello," she just had a miscarriage and is you know emotionally unhinged, and you think that's like a responsible thing to say? No, Eh-eh. and then you know, yeah, they're. Doing the same guy, and then it's not a classy
1: situation. Well, the only
0: classy person here is Alexis. What
1: I like about all of this, though, is like the mixed up Carrington menage. Like, you again, you have Blake and Crystal sleeping in separate beds. Blake's even like said as much as, like, you can only do one thing for me. I don't need your sympathy. I don't need you to be some martyr. I just need you to be in my bed. Um, and then you have like Fallon and Jeff like kind of reenacting the same thing on a lower level, less exciting, but still the same idea. Yeah, I, I like that Crystal gets stuck with picking out the, the wallpaper and the drapes or what, you know, like she's decorating the nursery. Um, so it's not even her own child. And she's like having to like, you know, pick out the nursery, you know, decor. Um, it's like this whole like topsy turvy upside down household. And that's that's kind of like it kind of like comes together in a strange way with uh, Sammy Joe and and Stephen who like have no sense being together. And yet are the one couple, to your point, that are actually sharing a bed and and a vagina and a penis. Yeah. Totally Um, ironic considering, you know,
0: his sexuality. I loved Sammy Joe this episode. Heather Locklear, I think, has... It just took her a little while to... She's so
1: hateable. Her character is just like...
0: Well, she needed direction, right? Because clearly they cast her to be the T and the A... On this show and it took the writers, it took Heather Locklear, it took everybody a few episodes to kind of feel everything out. But I think we're headed in the right direction here. I think that Heather Locklear likes, I mean, we know she's good at playing that bitch because she did it on Melrose Place. Oh, she's a total shit show. show. She's just being this prolific gold digger and i love the fact that she's going behind steven's back and she's getting credit and she's
1: signing up oh, for those she's credit not just card deals digging for gold she's you know legging shopping for letters for furs, of credit yeah, yeah like oh and then yes then we get the whole shopping for first oh, thing I love- Fur scene. Yeah, like, okay, so this is my problem. This is exhibit B in my argument about the the problems of demonstrating Denver, Colorado, circa nineteen eighty one. You can only have lunch in one place if you've got two nickels to rub together. It's the St. Dennis Club. And same thing goes for your furrier. Apparently there's only one place in town, and of course, Alexis and Sammy Joe are gonna cross paths like like they've like there's 7 days in a week and 24 hours in a day, right? And of course they just happen to be uh I don't know, what did we ever establish the name of this this fur boutique? It's I don't know. It's called like M- Moliere Fur Something or throwaway, something. but yeah, I mean we 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 like that.
0: Well, though. are you sitting down because I think I noticed something okay. about the fur store. I think the fur store set
1: is, is the same Dennis Club, Club set. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. They just redressed they just, it. They just like moved a couple walls around, took out some bank heads. Yeah. It's the same. Buy like, to the hostess saying hello to some minx. Green carpet. Yeah. It's it's clearly the same Dennis set. But that's fine because I don't think we ever go back to this fur shop again. So should they have spent the bucks as Alexis would say no, probably not.
0: Okay, so you picked up what I was putting down. but you know who is not picking up what she's putting down is Alexis. She think she saw Sammy Joe trying to go for that mink. And put it on Carrington Credit, which I guess when you're in Denver, they don't check your you credit. You just throw a
1: name around. Yeah, yeah, they
0: just look at your ID and they're like, oh, Carrington? Okay, cool. You automatically have an 800 credit score or whatever credit scores were in 1982. <laughs> and she's just trying to get that mink. And I love this whole kind of like pretty woman situation where the, the sales girl's like, mm, "Are you sure you don't want the Fox. And Sammy Joe's like, I want the mink. And the salesgirl's like, "Mm, it's a little old for you.
1: I like that one. It's a rather expensive
0: fur. And I'd say this fox has a much more youthful quality. I think it's tacky.
1: I like the mink. That is mink. You don't feel it's a little old for you? Old. Or you think I don't have the money? Well... You know, we have a rather strict policy about credit
0: and returns, miss.
1: My name happens to be Mrs. Stephen Carrington. I'm not used to haggling over what suits me.
0: I don't know. You're a fashion expert. Is Fox younger than me?
1: My research into the world of fur really only extends to episodes of The Price is Right from 1978 through 1987. So I can only say that I don't really know. One
0: dollar, Bob. Yeah. This is clearly going to come bite her in the ass. Like, she is reaching for the stars, and everybody is telling her, like, quit trying to spend all of that money. Like, it's not going to work. But she thinks because she has this little secret about Fallon that that's going to just give her the key to the fucking city, the Mile High City.
1: I just like that they're like, you know, this could just be obvious gold digging, but they take it to another level. Like she's in bed with a letter of credit. she's going to the fur place. Like, you know, she's really dialing it up. So we're we're making this very soap operatic. It was kind of set up last week,
0: but we really see this play out. And I think we were both kind of right. This insane Senate committee that Blake and Andy Laird, the attorney, kind of put together to go at Logan Rhinewood turns out to be a complete and
1: utter, shit show yeah it's a sham
0: what were they thinking
1: well i don't want to like dissect moment by moment but i do want to understand like wait you do realize that's the point of this podcast right we're dissecting every moment of every episode of dynasty oh okay well i'm gonna go pour another drink i'll be back (laughs) no but seriously like So, do we think that the Senate was bought out by this Logan Reinwood mysterious figure in the background? No. So, they just didn't take any of this very seriously? No.
0: They're level-headed politicians. Wait, what? Oh, my
1: God. (laughs) I mean, I know this is 1981, but are you sure?
0: I think it was a better time, the Reagan era. (laughs) No, I just think it was dumb, and it's Blake, again, being egotistical and thinking that he's better than everybody else.
1: Well, I'm trying to figure out, are they like trying to like make Blake this bigger-than-life character? And that's why this is supposed to be national news, that there's a Senate hearing, but then it's closed doors? Or is this just like what an egomaniac Blake is, that he thinks the this latter. is such a big deal and it's really not? The
0: latter. Okay. I think the latter, for sure. I think he was able to call in favors to get this circus organized, But then once it came time to actually like have the elephants come out and the clowns and whatever, everybody was like, no, I'm not here for this. It's just
1: like burnt caramel popcorn and, you know, some guy on stilts. Yeah.
0: And a lot of elephant dung
1: everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) oh <sighs> wow we really played that metaphor all the way to the end didn't we i mean i want to squeeze it for one more but it just <laughs> it's not been that good so far so why keep going
0: <laughs> yeah so i think you know he was able to pull it together and then logan rinewood's attorney comes in and puts the punctuation at the end of that sentence because he's like well logan Reinwood doesn't have any fucking thing to do with denver so peace out mic drop bye like it oh, was Oh, that was
1: the other thing. My my issue with this whole scenario is this business was transacted technically in Nevada, right? This uh-huh. is when the check was exchanged for I don't know, 49% of the football team or whatever. Yes. Uh, this is like 5 episodes ago, which I do appreciate the fact that this show is asking you Continuity. to remember something that you may or may not have watched, you know, yeah, weeks ago. And so there's that. That's fine. But is that really what this boils down to? And that's not what I thought this like Senate committee was all about. I thought this was about uh, an ex- an IED exploding limousine situation. And Blake going blind, and this oh, guy's responsible. No, no, no. no. I so this thought- is all just like supposed to undermine this other guy's business, and that's the way that Blake's going to get back at Logan Ryanwood, or
0: no? Well, okay, so th- okay, two counterpoints to that. The first is that Blake's whole thing, and it's been reiterated. It was reiterated three times actually. Like I'm going to get him in the court of public opinion, right? So it wasn't so much of what the Senate committee could actually do. It was the fact that it was going to get publicity and he was going to drag Logan Reinwood out into the sunlight and everybody could see that he was draining that swamp. But see this. this Wait, 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 wait. But I have a point there, but yes. Okay. But I had two points and I prefaced that, that I was going to make two points. So, but that is completely null and void because the Senate committee said no publicity, no press is allowed. Which is kind of weird because there should always be publicity or there should always be a pool reporter or something allowed in a public hearing. Anyway, the second point is that, well, fuck, I forgot my second point. What's your point?
1: Well, my point was really, this is another great example of how Alexis always outdoes Blake. And she doesn't always outdo herself. She she's not always a winner, and I always like to preface that. However, she did that whole shenanigans with the suntan lotion and the you know the paid off paparazzo guy. Well, that's because Rome. she
0: was dealing with the media, the tabloid. Well, media. that's what
1: Blake thinks he's gonna do here. He's like, oh, I am gonna have this like court of public opinion, and he doesn't get it. And it's like a total blow up in his face. And then he like then they're like, oh, well, Logan Ryan would send his emissary. Who's going to tell you that mm, we didn't even do business in Colorado and we have no stake in this game and your trial is moot. Well, and the I love end.
0: and I love the, the senator of color. I do like there are a lot of like minor characters of color. So we're at least seeing like something that's governmental.
1: white. Yes, bureaucratic positions. It's very interesting. That yeah, way. but
0: I love that That guy says, well, wait a minute. You're calling this guy shady. But then didn't you sell use They actually 40? used the word shady. I, I know, loved I loved yeah, it. Like,
1: like old, white, boring guy using the word shady. And the black guy, of course. But like everybody like is very clearly establishment using that word in 1981. Rhinewood's chief hatchet man was here in Denver. Do you have proof of that, Mr. Carrington? He came to see me. To hint at what might happen to me if I didn't sell my football team to Rhinewood On his terms... And your response was? I refused. Not because of the money, but to keep
0: shady types like Ryan Wood from controlling a clean American sport. Shady types, Mr. Carrington? Could you be more specific? If a duck is shady, then you call it shady, right? That's the saying?
1: If a duck wears lipstick and fans itself, it's shady. Yeah. yeah.
0: I can see Denver from my front porch. Anyway, I love the fact that he says, well, if these are unsavory characters, why did you sell 49% of your fucking football team to them? And then, you know blake and andy laird the attorney are like murmur murmur mur. well we can't talk about that
1: yeah they, they they play the poker hand
0: and it's like you didn't think of that question before you came here they were so ill-prepared
1: <sighs> i think i said this while we were watching it like this is my problem whenever like dynasty tries to handle business affairs and i will count this as business affairs because these are things that are sort of governmental lo- logical business. and they're yes they're involved in like Procedural. money decisions. yes it just it, everything falls apart because the writing does not have a handle on that side of it, and it doesn't matter because nobody's here for that anyway. We're all here for the clothes and the cigarettes and the champagne, and like so, like as 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 soon as we can just like get this like whatever this thing is with Blake and Logan Reinwood out of the way. The well,
0: i would kind of be okay with it i'm fine with them introducing a little bit of government here and there i mean i'm looking forward to all kinds of hearings that will be happening soon in our government especially one but so <laughs> it could be good but it's not campy it's not interesting it's not factual and it makes everybody look like dumb and a big
1: waste of time well there was one campy moment
0: Oh, when he gets his eyesight back?
1: <laughs> yeah, which is sort of like the final trope we have to discuss here. I mean, right? Mm. Yeah.
0: No, we have to talk about Bleak's blindness.
1: Well, apparently, you know, because this is hysterical blindness, which this is an interesting term. I, I think I've heard of a, a, my favorite film of all time, period, the end, is Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf? And you get this, like, bit about hysterical pregnancy. Uh-huh. So I don't know if this is all just, like, a, a bit of, like... Uh, pseudoscience you know or or folk medicine where hysterical quote-unquote gets applied to things that are not really what they medically are i don't know so Blake is hysterically we hear blind. We here at Dynasty
0: as They Want to Be do not provide any actual medical advice, so please consult your doctor if you have any medical questions. I just needed to put that disclaimer in there so well, people didn't start just,
1: coming for just us. don't know.
0: Well, we have more people listening to the podcast now, especially in Minneapolis.
1: Maybe some doctors that could give better advice than we are clearly but oh, anyway God. i hope
0: doctors have better things to do yeah, than listen I, to this I think podcast. we have better things
1: to do but here we are anyway and uh, blake has got hysterical blindness quote unquote i don't know what the hell that really means but i think it just sort of suggests that it's selective it's just like uh steven's you know gay amnesia like you can just decide suddenly i'm not gay anymore well here's the thing so okay
0: He's at the hearing. He starts hearing a synthesizer. He can start making out the faces of the senators. He makes out the face of Dr. Nick Toscani, which BTW, why did he invite Nick Toscani to the hearing? And then he doesn't even like talk to him there. He just like leaves anyway. Not worth actually no, that's, discussing. No, that's a totally
1: dropped thread. And that's, that is truly not good writing. Bad writing. Why did he ask? the I mean, unless this is like, are we like writing the dickens novel here where like the, the only thing th- I it all can comes think back like 12 that chapters wanted, later i don't know
0: the only thing i can think is that they wanted blake to see somebody he knew because he may not know these senators i don't know anyway he gets so incensed because this stupid ass kangaroo court doesn't go the way that he wants and then he starts being able to see and then later on he gets this letter that makes him mad so my question is is he able to see because he's so mad
1: i think so because that's like blake's like real true power throughout this whole show is like his anger yeah it's like he's like so over the top ridiculously pissed off at moments like like that's like his superpower
0: yeah because you always you've always been talking about this season how blake is kind of cooled he was nice to claudia He's been kind of nice to Alexis here and there. So maybe because he's been chilling out a little bit, that's what caused the blindness. So now he realizes he needs to be a big bitch again, and that's what's going to cause him to see. My other theory
1: is, is... I like your other theory more. It's the glasses. It's the disco daddy glasses. Or that's the whole problem in last three episodes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So anyway, let's just get to the end of the episode. So... I don't know. You explain this crazy theory because I'm not sure I completely understand it. This strategy that Alexis and Fallon have cooked up concerning Crystal and Nick and a kidnapping letter or what No, is- it's,
1: I mean, it's, it's all a, a kidnapping letter. It's, it's the old classic like trope of like cutting out headlines for magazines and, you know, writing cryptic messages yeah kidnapping so that nobody can like identify the handwriting i guess i don't know it's it's, uh, you know it's it's all very sloppy and don't think think too hard about it
0: oh oh, too late so alexis did that and then fallon intercepted it so she could deliver it to blake even though he can't see right am i explaining this yes because
1: fallon knew after speaking with Alexis that there was going to be this, you know, bomb bomb drop at the front door. So she intercepts the letter, which is a classic, you know, that's that's a great little plot thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, now we would just send a text from, you know, an anonymous number or something. But back then you would have to snip 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 the latest vogue and then send it in
1: well and you'd also have to get joseph the malicious majordomo out of your way so that you get it not him um which is pointed up later because he comes into the room with blake after fallon leaves after having read blake the letter and he's like do you want me to read it for you again aka i want to know what's in that letter read it again no you you want to read it for yourself well yeah of course joseph uh, but okay, so fine. Uh, but yeah, this so this letter gets intercepted and I think it's all sort of, uh, it's a little bit predictable, right? But I, I, I do like the way that it's, it's sort of worded like a, a ransom note though, even though it's just like basically saying your wife's cheating on you.
0: Well, that's because Alexis is an artist and she has a flair for the dramatic.
1: She do, she do.
0: But it is interesting that Fallon has such a, difficult time delivering this to her father because this is kind of the first time we've well, seen her sort of cross him or yeah, do she's, something yes, nefarious against absolutely. him. Absolutely.
1: She's being asked to choose side. It was interesting. She hands him... The letter and the envelope and if she really didn't want him to have it, she could have just handed him the envelope. But and now I'm just like overthinking these things. Like,
0: Yeah, I mean, what are they going to do? A fucking DNA test on this thing? Who cares?
1: I and mean, supposedly he's blind, though. He wouldn't know what, what she handed him.
0: But again, he goes into such a rage when she reads this, you know, kidnapping letter to him. And he's able to suddenly see it. And my God, it's such a dramatic moment. You would have acted like he was blind his entire life. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Wasn't he just blind the last episode? Why is this like a miraculous turning point for us?
1: Well, this just goes back to your theory. Like at the end of the scene and he, you know, removes the glasses and can see now.
0: Oh, yeah. My theory is is that he could have (laughs) actually seen this whole time, but then he's just wearing sunglasses. So, whoopsie, if he hadn't been wearing sunglasses, he could have actually seen. I mean,
1: yeah. If you're wearing sunglasses at night indoors, you're probably not going to see much of anything anywhere. Anytime,
0: it' true, it' true.
1: So I don't know, but uh, look at at the end of the day, though, I think this is like a really well done episode, and it takes sort of all of this corny bullshit that we've been, just been like dissecting, and packages it in a really nice way. And there's there's just some moments, yeah. You
0: know. There's those kind of like Hitchcockian moments, like when Fallon intercepts the letter and she's walking down the hallway and uh joseph is in the background that's an sort iconic of moment that might
1: be one of the finest moments in early dynasty photography it
0: really is a beautifully composed shot
1: and it's almost kind of it's like throwaway. Like... and it's like and you wonder like well some i don't know who the director was i don't even know if it's one of the regular directors but like this was like a moment that was clearly inspired and it's just for you know 12 seconds on your screen yeah on tv you know? it could have been on a movie the
0: other thing though as a counterpoint to that is there's some weird shots with alexis where the film quality looks weird like when she's in the office yeah, with doctor. Yeah, I like Nick. your
1: argument that she was um, looking Asking for, for an Instagram. Yeah, photo, right? yeah. She she needed that soft focus or something. I, don't I mean, know. it's
0: not for most of the scenes, so it makes me feel like they ran out of the usual film stock that they use, and they just thought, oh, I, I just roll this." I up.
1: think some Dynasty archaeologist like probably knows about that stuff, and I don't. I don't know how to get to the bottom of it. There is. Some, I did a little bit of research you know? into
0: it, and I couldn't. I. I couldn't put my finger on it, but maybe we need to dig a little deeper. But first, we need to pick our lurks of the week. Well, I'm picking Crystal Carrington second week in a row as my look of the week. That little cape navy
1: blue number. No, I number. hate this look. This Are is, you this, kidding me? This was like the anti-look of the week for me.
0: Anti look
1: of the week. Uh, I hate it with that the the terrible embroidered leaf thing up. It the was gorgeous. No. It was so
0: regal. It looked no, like no, no, something no. that some member of the royal family could have worn. And then she's wearing that sort of. It's okay. Well, let me just explain what this it is. This is church
1: lady fashion. No,
0: are you kidding me? She's wearing thigh high boots. You don't wear thigh high boots to the church. I don't know what
1: church you've been to, but
0: so she's wearing this beautiful kind of navy blue or is it purple? I don't know. I'm a little colorblind. It's sometimes. blue,
1: you're colorblind. I don't know if I call it navy, but it's like a marine blue, sure. Yeah,
0: it's a darker blue. And it's a cape and then there's like a matching dress and then she's got like the the thigh high gray boot with it and then the purse. It's like a clutch kind of purse. No, I can't and-
1: deal with the embroidered leaf detail up the center of the lapels, no. It's cornball. It's like bathroom wallpaper. No, it's iconic. It's sculptural. It's
0: regal, and she's doing her updo, which we've been fans of the way she does the
1: updo. I think they were really trying to make this updo happen for her because they wanted to move on from the haystacks. Yeah, they were but... like,
0: "Please, Linda, can we make you do something else besides the bangs?" I want to know make the story look there look like because horse like, needs to go. Yeah, through it your very face. it
1: very quickly goes goes back to, and then like was that her decision? was that there i don't know but anyway somebody could
0: write a whole book on what was happening with the hair styling team on dynasty she
1: is wearing nude pumps which seem to be a thing these days they're There's not nude of...
0: it's like a gray it matches the clutch purse
1: oh sorry i'm sorry she's wearing knee-high excuse me or thigh scrunchy boots things whatever's
0: no the shoes are amazing the clutch is great the earrings match the sort of gold clasp that goes over the cape. It's great. And then they're walking around this gorgeous sculpture garden, which I was like, I Where? Think that's
1: why you are more inclined to like what she's wearing because of the setting? I don't I don't. The know that setting the costume does is elevate
0: that great. it. I will agree, the setting does elevate it, but I still love the outfit. It's different than anything we've seen. Linda Evans looks amazing in it. It's just, it's powerful.
1: I think it's very. Pouty and ivory tower and over contemplative, and it's just typical crystal, which is fine because that's why we like you know this character. Well, anyway,
0: boom. What is your look of the week?
1: I actually, my look of the week is crystal in head to toe red, uh, in the drawing room with, with the decoratrice.
0: Wow. I didn't expect you to go there.
1: Yeah, no. It's turtleneck. It's, you know, gathered shoulder with a little bit of a peak to it. Not full shoulder pads. Because, again, she's not a hard woman like Alexis is, you know. Um, And I like in this that the reds actually match from top to bottom. It's not like there's like a softer material, so the red looks different under the light. Yeah, we don't
0: talk about that enough on the show. There's a lot of these outfits where they're doing the monochromatic thing. Which I think and was like a hot quite style, gel. And yeah. And it's like, mm,
1: it's and ripple. I don't know how much of that is like just they're doing a tonality thing versus they wanted it to look like one color and the lights don't show it that way. I don't know, but here I think it's it's like the first example, like literally so far where they're wearing a monotone outfit and the color actually is monotone. Uh-huh. And again, it's with that updo that we've both. Well, you know, and I do like on. that
0: because she looks good in it and blondes. I'm a little blondie and like red is a hard red color is not a us. blonde's color. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And But I think this kind of points out how red was such a, a, a nascent indicator of power dressing in the eighties. Like, I mean, red will become much more important in a few more years, but you're seeing red so much in these first like, you know, episodes of the season um, on a lot of characters, not just actually on crystal. It's interesting because she's not normally wearing red. No, no, no. Alexis is not really her color. yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, you know, so this is another look of the week. That's a little more character based rather than just totally the outfit. But I think, both are interesting together. Well, and
0: I could see that they made that choice because in the scenes that she's wearing red, she is being more forceful than she normally is. So it does kind of lend punctuation. Right. Yeah. That's another episode of Dynasty as they want to be in the books. Kyler, thank you so much for joining me again.
1: I'm going to go out on the patio furniture and... Wallow around in some yellow Sunbrella with my (laughs) martini now.
0: Well, before you do that, let me thank also our listeners. We love you guys, whether you're in Minneapolis or whether you're in San Francisco or Los Angeles or... Anywhere in the world, we appreciate you listening. We do this for you guys. And let us know what you think about the podcast, your thoughts on the episodes. You can do that all across social media. We're at Nasty Podcast, N-A-S-T-Y Podcast. You can also leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or anywhere that accepts podcast reviews. Thanks for listening. I hope everybody has a great week and a great credit score too. Bye.